We're, we're in the middle of a series, the Freedom Series, and, and last week Pastor Sean started it off, and this morning I'm just going to continue into it. And we're talking about levels of change, and I want to start off by telling you a story that recently happened at my house, and, and it's going to give you some insight of not to invite me uh, to do construction, okay? Um, I recently was doing a small project around my house, and, and I literally only needed to make three cuts on a board. I just took, I mean, for most guys, that would seem like, oh, that's, why even tell the story, Bill? That's not even a story. That's like driving to the store or something. But, but I, you know, the, the problem is, is I'm not a real handy person. So in, you know, when I'm purchasing things, I don't really think about going to Home Depot. That's not like the first place. You know, that's like what Luke would do. He thinks of Home Depot. I don't think of Home Depot. So Luke has all these tools and everything, but I should just call him when I need one. But, uh, but I was, uh, I needed to saw a couple boards, and, and I had two saws in my possession at the time. I had a, a drywall saw, which, which all of us, I mean, I'm not, you know, that unhandy. But, uh, but the other saw I had was this little, this little hand saw that was really meant to cut metal. And uh, so I started, I made the marks, I'm ready to cut the board, and, and this is like going to take forever. So what do you do when you need to cut a board? You call your children. So, so um. I called, my, I called my son, and I said, Spencer, I was like, you, you enjoy working with Dad here. Why don't you cut these boards for me? And so he started cutting, and, and he was kind of like in a hurry. He wanted to get back to doing whatever he does as a, as a teenager. And so he was just cutting and cutting and cutting, and he was using all of his energy to the point of almost perspiring, you know? And, and I'm like, wow. I'm like, thank you, Jesus, for children. But... <laughs> But really, the same thing happens, you know, the same thing happens in our lives as believers. We, we don't have the right tools. And when we came to Christ and were saved, we began doing things on our, in our own strength and out of our old nature, which has really caused us to not live in the freedom that God intended. And last week, Pastor Sean started the series by giving an overview of what we would be learning over the next five weeks. And he said this, true freedom is not the absence of something, but it's the presence of someone. You know, we sometimes think of freedom as like, if I could stop being this, you, you fill in the blank. If, if I could just stop being depressed, then I would have freedom. And really, true freedom is what we come, comes out of 2 Corinthians 3.17, and it says this, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So true freedom can only come from the Holy Spirit. And, and that is where I want to take us this morning as we discuss these levels of change. And as Pastor Sean said last week, we are doing an overview of what's taking place on Wednesday evening. So this morning, I'm really discussing five levels of change, and the first three will not get discussed on Wednesday evening, and the last two I will really briefly cover this morning. But again, you want to participate in these next five weeks, or really the next four Wednesday nights, when it comes to our Freedom Series. We, we really want to be a church, and we want to be a place, as we're discipling, helping people become fully devoted followers of Christ, that people need to find out who they are in Christ. And one of those ways of finding out who you are in Christ is living in freedom. And so I think we all want to be that way. And so I want to get us started here this morning. Galatians 2.20 says this, I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who died and gave himself for me. See, the idea is this, 
The life of a believer is no longer the life of a believer. The life of a believer comes from the one we believe in. But the issue is often this. The enemy wants to twist this truth. He'll say things like this. Jesus died for you, so you should try harder to do better so that people can see and you can look like Jesus. Don't we get wrapped up in that? I mean, even if you've been a Christian you know, a lot of your life, and you may have come from a certain type of denomination. Sometimes, you know, we have a very, uh, we're very work, a, a work society, and so we even think of our salvation being that way, and so when, when and the enemy begins to say, you need to start working harder and trying better to be more like Jesus, we get wrapped up in that. So I want us to kind of get away from that today, and that's not really what this verse is saying at all. And what we want to talk about this morning is how this plays out in our lives. So I want to help prepare your mind this morning by illustrating this idea of levels of change, because most of us think wrong about levels. If you're an athlete, a business person, an educator, you know, any type of career, we think of levels as linear growth, the process that occurs when we try harder and do better. And next year, I'm going to set goals, and I'm going to get better at my job. I'm going to perform better, and so I'm going to change a little by little each and every time. But this morning, I really want to focus on this idea that of transformational growth. And so the illustration I want to share with you this morning is, uh, you know, recently my wife had been watching this little boy, this little newborn that's in our church right now. He's about six months old, I think, at this point, and and she was watching him for several months. And one day she had an appointment, and the parents hadn't gotten there, but I was at home. So, so she, she texted the mom and said, is it okay if Bill watches, you know, your child? It's like, well, you know, I've, I've raised one. I mean, he's okay, you know. Uh, so she was okay with that, and well, that's good. You know, I, I feel better about that. And so anyways, so there's a lot of things I did as a dad that I don't do at, for someone else's children, okay? You know, I'll, I'll feed them, I'll play with them. You know, it's fun to hang out with babies because they smile and they laugh, they think you're funny, you know? And so, so I'm just kind of hanging out with them one day, and there's probably about a 30-minute span between the time my wife had left and, and the parents were about to come. And, you know, he's, he's just like, just excited about hanging out with me, you know? And so in that excitement, he just, you know, um, you know, had some problems. And, <laughs> and uh, he had to, uh, you know, this was probably maybe 15 minutes. It was probably actually five minutes before the parents came, okay? But um, that he needed a, he needed a diaper change. Um, I know it wasn't 15. It was closer to five. But... Um, for the sake of the parents. Uh, so so I, I said to, so when they picked him up, I said, you know, you, I think he needs a diaper change. You know, you're going to have to do that. So they told me later that he had a blowout and, and he needed a, a full bath. So thank you, Jesus, for wisdom of not doing that. So, but, but what happens is that's kind of this level of change we're talking about today, that, that when it comes to potty training, infants need a diaper change. And so, so you change it and then it really changes itself, right? And it's a constant change. You change it, changes itself, you know? Some more than others, more fun than others. But you have this constant state of change where nothing is ever different. It's either clean or it's dirty. And we often think that way about our life with Jesus. 
I'm doing poorly, so I come to Jesus and he cleans me up. Then I'm doing well for a while, and then I do poorly, so I come to Jesus and he cleans me up. We end up with this clean diaper, dirty diaper faith that Jesus is there to clean up the messes we make. And while he's willing to do that, we need to see the clarity that he came to do so much more in our life. And, that, and it wasn't just to make sure that we had, didn't have dirty diapers. So there comes a moment in a child's life you hope that potty training is successful. You know, that, that it, something changes. And I'm glad that potty, cha- uh, potty training is successful because I have a 13-year-old. You know what I'm saying? So you don't want that, that change, you know, dirty diaper, clean diaper thing anymore. And that's what we're talking about this morning, where these levels of change, it's actually when one level has dominion over another one. And as we talk about these levels, we're not talking again about linear progression, where, whereby we improve a little bit each year. We're talking about a level in which the succeeding level has power over the last. So, so I no longer have to change diapers. My son is now potty trained. And, and so the bottom level has no need. There's no need for that bottom level anymore. And that's really what we're going to talk about this morning. And And if we change at this level, it has dominion over the prior level. And you'll see this by the time we get to the fifth level, uh, the higher we get, the more impact it has on our lives. So when we get to the fifth level of change, what you're going to discover is that you can't do anything about it. But that will turn into be good news and not bad news this morning. So the first the first level that we're talking about this morning is this level of change of the environment. Have you ever thought about this? If I could just get a new job, if I could just move to another city, another state, maybe even just another home, that things would be different. I could, I could overcome some of the things that are going on in my life if things would just change. And we have this mentality that the grass is always greener on the other side. And I've moved, I've moved to these different cities and these different states and have had different jobs in my career. And you know what I have found? That nothing changes because the saying goes that wherever you go, there you are. The fallacy is if we believe that changing our environment will have anything to do with setting us free, we're already in bondage to that belief. Now, let's just take a familiar person in the Bible. His name was Paul, uh, Paul the Apostle. You know, now Paul wrote a huge portion of the New Testament. And where did he write most of the New Testament? In prison. He understood and he recognized that, that it wasn't needed for his environment to be different in order to live in freedom. And he wrote that verse that we just quoted just a few moments ago. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Paul recognized that freedom took place even while he was in prison. And that's what we need to recognize this morning. That freedom is when you can become the person that you were created to be. The trick is to learn how to become the person regardless of the circumstances we're in. And so what happens here is that we begin to grow and we begin again, to think about freedom, and we come to this place of maturity where we go, okay, it's not my circumstances, so what is it? Well, what happens to us is we start to look, and this is the most common trap we get into in our lives. 
we start to look at this thing called behavior. We, we think at this level that we start looking at our behavior, and I say things like this, I wish I would not yell at my kids. I wish I would not look at that on the internet. I wish I would not do this or do that. You know what I'm saying? And we get to this point where you could list in your mind all the things you wish you would not do. And this is a dangerous level for us to make change at because what happens is that this can cause a vicious roller coaster of emotions in our life. And when we pray, have you ever said this, Jesus, forgive me for? Forgive me for yelling at my kids. Forgive me for uh, doing this or doing that. And you know something? Jesus forgives you, but Jesus did not die for your behavior. Jesus died for you. And what begins to happen, what's the dangerous place that we get into when we try to make this change at the behavior level is that we end up having great days. We end up not yelling at our children. You know, today it's a great day. I didn't yell at my kids. Tomorrow is another good day. I didn't yell at my kids. But Wednesday comes and I yell at my kids. And now what happens? We have self-condemnation that comes into our life. And we go through this roller coaster again. Oh, God, forgive me for yelling at my kids. And so we try to continue to make this change, and it's this vicious roller coaster of emotions that I can never live up to the standard that God has for me. And we find that we live in bondage more than we live in freedom in that area of our life. So let me illustrate it this way, of how you want to get where you need to go. And I want to illustrate it with the story of David. And 2 Samuel 11 and 12 is referenced on your handout this morning. But because of time, we're not going to really dig deep into that. But I'm just going to give you an overview because I think most of us understand and know the story of David and Bathsheba. You know, so here's, here's what happens. David sends out his group out to war. And, and he didn't go, which he was supposed to. The king is always supposed to go to war with his, with his warriors. So he is back. He's just hanging out on the balcony one day. And he looks over and he sees, sees Bathsheba and she's bathing. And, and he calls on to one of his servants and he, he has her brought over. He lays with her. She gets pregnant. So he needs to figure out what to do. So he calls on his troops and he brings Uriah back. Bathsheba's, Bathsheba's husband says, hey, you know, you've done a great job. Go hang out with your wife for the night. He doesn't want to do that because Uriah is too loyal. He's too loyal. He wants to hang out with his troops. He's loyal to the king. He's loyal to his God. So he's not going to do that. So what happens is that David has to figure out a way. What am I going to do? So David sends a a message to put Uriah in the front, which is where the worst battle occurs. Uriah dies. And then what happens? Nathan, the prophet comes and confronts him because, you know, what they say that your sin will find you out. And that's what happened to David. Nathan confronts him. And out of that, David writes a psalm. And we recognize it as Psalm 51. And the beginning of Psalm 51, David begins to say, you know, God forgive me for this. God forgive me for that. And he doesn't go into whole details about that. But he gets down to verse, we get down to verse 10. And this is what David says. He says, create in me a clean heart of God. Renew within me a right spirit. And then he says, cast me not away from your presence and take, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation and renew a right spirit within me. 
And then he says, so that I can tell others about who you are and your goodness. See, David understood that it wasn't only changing his behavior that he had to go to God for, but that he knew that he had to have a heart change. The only way that that change was going to be effective in his life was that the root was in the heart. And I want you to catch it here because this thing that happens to us, there's another level that we're going to take a look at this morning. And this level, in the same way that our behavior has dominion over our environment, I want you to catch that. Did you catch this this morning? Because our, our, our behavior has an effect on our environment. And let me just illustrate it right here. Go home. Well, don't do this, but just think about this for a moment. If you go home today, husbands, and you begin to argue with your wife, your behavior has changed. And I will tell you that your environment is going to change. Okay? I see a couch in your future today. Okay? But, um, but you change your, your behavior changes, and then your environment changes, and that's what happens in our life. And this next part that I want to look at is our capabilities. Because when we think of our capabilities, when we, when we see our capabilities, that's going to change our behavior and our environment. And our capabilities are like a governor in our heart. What's a governor? A governor is, if you remember, and I know that they still have them in old school buses because I talked to some of the bus drivers in our churches, in our church here, that there's this governor, and what that does is it limits the speed that the bus can travel at. Now, I don't know why they do that, because at 55 miles an hour, I think it's just as safe as going 85, you know? But, but they, they limit the, the speed that the bus can travel, or, or I just remember having a U-Haul, and I just hate driving slow, okay? And you get in the U-Haul, and everybody's passing you because you can't go any faster. But this limitations, this, this is our capabilities. It's, it's the limitations of how we think, feel, and uh, in our life. And so we, we have this limitation of what I can do, what I can't do, um, how I think and I feel. And, and I think it illustrates it very well in Numbers chapter 13. Again, it's a reference. Go back and read that a little bit. But it's in relationship to the children of Israel. Now, Moses went to Egypt. He, we see what had transpired. We have all the plagues that, that happened. And, and all the people, you know, these children who had been enslaved in Egypt for such a long time, begins to see how God orchestrates things. They get released. They, they march out of Egypt. They're on their way. They get to the river. They're like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do now? God saves them from the Egyptians by crossing the, by splitting open the Red Sea. They cross on dry land. And now God has a plan for them. He created them. And he wants to see his creation fulfill why he created them. And so God created them to be into the promised land. And so what happens? Moses elects and he gets one, one, uh, one man from each tribe. They go out. Ten of them come back with a different report than two of them. Joshua and Caleb had a great report. We can do this. We're not limited in our abilities. But ten of them were limited. They're like, we can't do this. We can't make it. We're not going to be able to get to the promised land. And so what happens? They were limited by their capabilities. They were limited by the way they thought. 
and what they thought they could and couldn't do. And what we need to recognize is that God has much greater limits, and he's unlimited list. Is that a word, unlimited list? Okay, so it doesn't sound right off my tongue. But he's unlimited list. And uh, if it's not a word, it's a great word. You need to put it in the dictionary. But what I want you to think here is that sometimes we get trapped at this place. We get trapped at this place because what the enemy is going to try to say to you is, hey, Bill, you're free. You're doing just fine. Look at how God is providing for you. He's taking care of you. You are free. You're free. You don't have to worry about this. You don't even have to have to listen to the rest of the sermon that Bill's talking about today. Just think that in 10 minutes, the chiefs are coming on, okay? What do I need to do today, okay? But what you need to see here is that, yes, God does take care of us. God took care of the children of Israel, even though they didn't make it into the promised land. He still provided for them. So I want you to see that true freedom, just because you might not be free today, God's still going to take care of you, but God created you to walk in freedom. Okay? So this, this next level, this next level that we want to go to today is, is this idea of beliefs. And at this level of change, we see two areas of belief that cause difficulty for us. The first is is what we believe about God. And the second is what we believe about ourselves. And both of these are very interconnected. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. One person said it this way, that you cannot live beyond what you believe. And what you believe will determine how you behave. So if what you believe isn't right, how you behave won't be right either. And that's what we're talking about this morning, our belief. And our experiences shape our belief. And we see this again with the children of Israel. In Exodus 16.3, it says, If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt. Wow, that's pleasant. They moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us into the wilderness to starve us all to death. Wow. That is their belief. That's what their experiences have taught them and had the conclusion that they came up to was that we would have been better off being slaves. That's really what they're saying. We're better off being a slave for the rest of our life than seeing God set us free. Catch that with me for a moment. You do not want to live and be a slave. God wants to set you free in every area of your life. And we need to get and we need to see that God, the experiences that, that we have lived through shapes the way we believe. This is a great time to talk to some of you dads right now and not just some of you, all of us. Because our, the, way we, the way we act, the way we model to our children... And this is why it's so important. Not only do do you want to be free because God wants you to be free, you want to be free so that your children can experience everything God has for them. Because if you have difficulty forgiving your children, 
they're going to have a difficulty receiving that forgiveness from their father, their heavenly father. If you're a, if you're a, a father or even a mother who, who yells at when, when, or snaps just at every moment, God wants to set you free in that. But if, if you don't want to resolve freedom in that area, what's going to happen is that your children are going to get an image that they can just never measure up to what God has for them. And so we want to live in freedom because, again, our experiences shape our belief. But the same thing happens in our own personal lives, too. You know, we say things like this because we have this faulty view of God. We say um, that we, can, we, can't, uh, we cannot receive everything he has for us. And listen, we sometimes even get to this point about spending time with the Lord at the start of our day because of our view of God. We, we say things like this. What happens is that we don't get with him because this picture we have of him is so incorrect that we're not drawn to him. I mean, finding 30 minutes to spend with God, and I'm speaking to most of us today. Finding 30 minutes to spend with God. We, do you ever say this to your spouse? Do you ever say, man, I wish I could just find 30 minutes to spend with you? Do we ever say that? Do we ever get to the part of our day and we say, man, I just wish I could find time to spend 30 minutes with my best friend today? We don't say that because it's our faulty view of who God is. And that's what we need to begin to reshape. And we're going to get to that conclusion this morning. But just as our experiences shape the way we believe about God, our shape, our experiences shape the way that we believe about ourselves. We sometimes say things like this, I'm always going to be like, you fill in the blank. I can never change because I have been like this my whole life. And what is it that you believe about yourself that you need to bring change to? Because again, the same way our behavior has dominion over our environment and our capabilities over our behavior, so our beliefs have dominion over all those other areas. And the first four levels you can change, and as you partner with God, you can change your heart. You can change your heart. You can begin to hear and see what God has for you. As you hear God speak to you through his word and through others and through teaching and through preaching, and as we hear God speak to us through his spirit, the content or the lens of our heart is transformed. And level five is a little different because at this point, it's God's mind that the blueprint exists. The changes come from him and not for us. So at this level, that we're going to talk about, it's called the level of identity. The level of identity. And identity is what we call the blueprint in the heart of God when he cooked you up. You know, now what you have felt all your life, not what you've conjured up, not what you've, you've told yourself, it's the blueprint in the mind of a creative and always good God who looks and said, I'm going to fill the world with representatives of my nature. See, God put a little bit of his nature in you and in you and in you today. And God wants you to see that, that he has a greater plan. And when we see that the creator of the universe who created us, don't we want that? That freedom comes from how, who God created you to be? That it was his decision, it's in his mind of how he wants it to work out in your life. 
And I think the best way to illustrate it is a, is a very seasonal illustration, if I can help you just stay on track with me. You know, because this time of year, and again, kickoff is coming soon, that football season is here, right? I mean, we love football season, and let me illustrate this with this idea in mind, that the great coaches of the game have developed a system, a blueprint that if that they believe if executed properly, can win games. And that's how God has really put it out there. He, he has the, a, a blueprint of how, how he envisioned his creation. And the execution depends on the players he recruits to play on his team. Once he recruits them, he needs not only to work with them, Again, to get them better. He works with them. The coach works with them to get better. But also he has to convince them that they are the best at what they do. And if he does that, at the end of the day, a team like that will become unstoppable and even the champions of their division. Okay? I don't hear any Chiefs fans right now. But... um, (laughs) But what happens here is I want you to recognize this. This is what happens, you know, not every team, there's not a champion in every team, and not every team is going to go winless. But, you know, in, in God's idea that we're all winners, that, that he understands that if we can just live it out and, and understand that our identity, that who he created us to be, that the Bible says this, that you're, if anyone is in Christ... You're, you're a, a what? He's a new creation. The old things have gone, passed away. Behold, all things have become new. See, what we have to understand is that God's blueprint is that when you became a Christian, that your old nature was gone, and he put in a new nature in you. Get this for a moment here, because this is where we're going to find freedom. Freedom. That the old is gone, the new has come. Okay? Not that the, the new was implanted with the old. The old is gone, the new has come. And we need to see that the blueprint that God has designed and created you to be, the freedom, where you're going to find true freedom, is recognizing your identity in who you are in Christ. So this morning, as, as we close, I want to ask you, What area of your life do you need to find freedom today? As we said at the beginning, it's about not having the right tools and understanding that true freedom comes by becoming who God created you and I to be. See, we all have areas in our life that we need to put some work into and that we need to give over to God. And and what the verse says is that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You know, we have areas of our life that the Spirit of the Lord isn't there, that we haven't relinquished control over. And we have tried to do it on our own. We have tried at the environment level. We've tried it at the behavior level. We've tried it at the capability level, and we've tried it at the belief level. But God's saying it's an identity area for you. And if you allow my Holy Spirit to reach down in you in that area that you can find true freedom. You know, so as we close this morning, I just want you to, one, I want you to think of an area that you just, whatever the Holy Spirit is prompting you to right now, just, just give that over to God right now.
But I also want to just encourage you, you know, again, this morning, you know, I'm just kind of giving you just a, a brief overview of what, what we want people to become. You know, here at Cornerstone, we want people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. And we want people to live and walk in freedom today. And so I just want to continue to encourage you to make available the resources of, of our midweek service, of our Wednesday, our Freedom Series, because God has so much in store for you. He has so much in store for you, and He wants you to live in freedom in every area of your life. So as we close this morning, I'm just going to ask you to stand, and, and uh, Kevin's going to come up this morning, but... But if you could with me, you know, God's, the Holy Spirit's probably prompted in you an area of your life that, that you just need to give over to him today to find freedom. And I just want you to just lift your hands with me this morning and just like as a, as a, as a symbol of giving it over to him today. And I just want to close in prayer this morning and, and Pastor Luke will come up here and close out the service this morning. But I just want to pray with you this morning. Father, we just again, we thank you. We thank you that true freedom comes in, in recognizing our identity in you and that, that just as your word declares that, that we're a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come. And we just pray, Father, for whatever area it is in our life right now, and you can call out that area in your time right now, that God, we just want to find freedom in you. We want to walk it out today. We don't want to be the old nature. We don't want to be the person we used to be, but we're a new creation in you today. And we give you all of our life today. And we say, have your way. The creator of the universe who created us to be in relationship with you, we want all that you have for us today. We just thank you for what you're going to do in the hearts and the lives of your people today. And we just give you all the praise, honor, and glory that your name deserves. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pastor Luke. Amen. It's, it's good to uh, study about.